Welcome to the Deep Chair NBA podcast. My name is Sean. Joining me as always is the Wayland Dante Buffett, Mr. Buffett, man. How are we? I'm good, Sean. I bought a jacket because it's cold in the A. <laughs> well, we'll get to the Atlanta Hawks soon because uh, obviously this is going to be the second half of our over-unders pod. But I was just about to say this to you off air, Dante. I was about to give you a little bit of news just that I found funny from the week. And then I realized, hang on, Dante hasn't heard this. I'm actually going to save it for the pod just to get his live reaction. But I'll read you the, uh, the headline here. This comes from Johnny Askuinas of, uh, of Eurogroups.net. Good, good start. But the headline is Ron Baker retires from professional basketball, gets job working in healthcare. <laughs> That's not what I thought. That's not what I thought it was going to be. Healthcare so, is a very broad yeah. term. Do you- is he is he a doctor? Is he a nurse? So is he a... I'll read the two paragraphs that uh, Real GM thought were necessary just to only give you two paragraphs. It was Ron Baker has retired from the NBA at the age of 28 due to injuries. Baker appeared in 96 NBA games and last played basketball during the 1920 season as a member of CSKA Moscow. How do you pronounce that in soccer? Cheska? Cheska, yeah. Uh, and then the second paragraph is Baker will now work in healthcare and has been named as a project manager in Ascension via Christie's strategy and business development department. Wow. That's pretty fucking out there. In Life terms after of hoops. <laughs> Life after hoops. Yeah. Um, never forget. He got paid 10 million uh, by the New York Knicks. So yeah. Ron Burgundy, I think Mallow called him. <laughs> it's not, a, it's not an, it, it's not an unfair comparison. I mean, there's a resemblance. There's a yeah. definite resemblance. I mean, he hung on to the Justin Bieber like bowl cut for a few years too long there. Yeah, but what do you expect from a guy who went to Wichita State? Uh, that, that reference means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> but good call, Dante. Uh, should we move on to the over-unders? Let's move on. Let's move on. This is what so, we came for. This is what we came for. The second half of the Deep Two Cult Classic. And we'll start it off with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I say we'll just get straight into it. Now, I went under and lost, and you went over and won. Their line was at 36 and a half, and they finished with 41 wins. Uh, I was sitting quite pretty in the first half of the season there, but obviously, Nate McMillan is the best coach in the whole entire world and can just come in and immediately. Uh, you know, spur them into the playoffs and and actually the conference finals. But I I said in this first podcast um, that they were going to be horrible on defense. That the additions of Bogdan Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari were going to supercharge their offense, but be absolute black holes on defense. Um, I I would say I'm wrong here in the in the way that. Clint Capella just had uh, an amazing season. Uh, he had a much better season than I thought he was going to be, and he was able to just keep their their head above water in terms of uh, in terms of on defense. They finished the season ninth in offense and seventeenth in defense, and that was enough to go over. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I bought a jacket, you didn't, and <laughs> you're left shivering, and I'm not. So it speaks. I feel for like itself. I made up for it in the in the playoffs. There, I was riding Trey very hard. <laughs> Way that's that's pretty interesting. <laughs> it's a pretty interesting way to spend the playoffs. <laughs> well, this now this episode's got an explicit E next to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I I wasn't a you know I wasn't a huge believer in this team, um, but I think it's interesting the way that this season kind of worked out. Is that obviously going into the season we're talking about 
um, the, the depth pieces that they've added. You mentioned Gallo and Bogdanovich. And then, you know, if Hunter and Reddish can take a step forward, we know that Herd is already good. Like all of a sudden you're getting up to like the, the seven, eight, nine, like really good solid rotation players. Uh, and it kind of ended up being that three dudes that, that really pulled them through because Gallo didn't play for a lot of the season. Bogdanovich didn't play for a lot of the season and he wasn't actually that good for a lot of the season. Reddish, is shit so <laughs> there's that uh and collins was kind of like obviously there was the trade rumors floating around for the whole season that felt like he never kind of like found his his niche exactly you know the the, the role that he's going to play going forward it was really capella hunter when he was healthy and trey were the three dudes and they were just all so good like hunter really took a a big step forward i, I think he probably only ended up playing like 30 games uh due to injury but when he was there he was really really good capella was one of the best defensive bigs in the league and he just like does not miss uh inside and then yeah obviously trey was was quite elite and i think he's forced us with the performance both regular season and playoffs to reevaluate how we think of him because i think Maybe me more than you. Yeah, uh, big. <laughs> nice little asterisk there. <laughs> last season, uh, there's definitely a tendency to kind of lump him in the closer to the, the good stats, bad team kind of guy, especially when compared to Luca. We're seeing like Luca do like monumental things in the playoffs, his first two trips there. And we're like, wow, this guy's fucking incredible. He's so young. Look at Trey Young, like 29 points, but it doesn't really mean much. Mm. And I think he's kind of reoriented that discussion. So, uh when we do when we do this podcast looking forward for the next season i think the hawks will be one of the most interesting lines to be set because uh i i think that those dirty filthy casinos are going to be trying to steal people's money by riding the wave of like hawks optimism Mm -hmm. so i think that'll be one of the interesting lines to watch yeah uh so just to go off last season again deandre hunter played 23 games last year which i actually thought was more uh and that's one thing that i didn't factor into my under prediction i thought he wasn't that good as a rookie he wasn't going to get that much better but he sort of had like a sort of like a late career realization of where he is in the nba but he had it in his second year he sort of (laughs) instead of being like oh i'm the number one option on virginia and then now I'm in the NBA, I'm just going to be the number one option. It's like, oh, okay, I'm just like a really hard-fought power forward slash sometimes wing who switches. You know, he's getting those sort of Andre Iguodala lines, maybe like, you know, 10 points, eight rebounds, and like less on the assist because he's obviously not, not that good a passer. But he's, yeah, I like this like early slash late career revitalization, like, you know, sends Nick Batum. Well, I was going to say he kind of played like how Jeff Green should have played yeah. when he was a younger, a younger guy, like a like a jumbo wing, small ball four, just shoots the hell out of it, strong inside, switches multiple positions, grabs boards, like exactly what this team needed. He is mm. one to watch for next season if he can stay healthy. Uh, and and yeah, he went in the kind of the exact opposite trajectory to to British, who <laughs> did not. Still, <laughs> yeah, did he's not still he's still trying to be early career Jeff Green. Kevin Knox South is what he was trying to be. <laughs> but to be fair, um, early career Jeff Green gets a lot of publicity. You're probably not going to get the same amount of publicity for this early slash late career DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, that's that's fair. And that's hey, fair. F- fame uh, fakes the ma- makes the world. St- what's what did David Bowie say? I don't know what you're trying to do there. Fame makes the world turn over, makes you go insane. 
Do you, like your... De- do you like David Bowie? No, I'm not a big Bowie guy, so I'll take oh. your word for it. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I was more next... of a Lou Reed guy. Oh, yeah, really, bro. It's because you listened to that one uh, Tribe Called Quest song. <laughs> <laughs> it just went on who sampled it.com. Oh, my, my identity. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe the shade that I'm getting. <laughs> I don't, I don't right, know where right. it's coming from. Maybe the something the deep the inside the me. The underground, wonderful, wonderful. Anyway, yeah. should we move on to Boston? Well, if you're such a big fan, name three songs. <laughs> I was making that joke when um probably a bad time to make a joke, but when the Rolling Stones drummer passed away a couple of days ago, obviously everyone's sharing their tributes and stuff. And I wanted to be like, oh, well, you're such a big fan. Name three songs. Because you know, <laughs> you know, everyone says that about like movie stars and such. So the Boston Celtics, their line was set at 45 and a half. And you and I both hit the under. Uh, they finished with 36 wins. So we both got it right here. And what I remember in my notes is just talking about it, it hasn't aged well. I mean, the, the process was right, but I've the process was wrong, but I somehow got the, the answer right here. But I said, they've already proven it. They've been to the conference finals a couple of times. They know that they've got this core that can compete for a title. Kemba Walker is going to come back later in the season. He's got that injury. Like, we're not sure how they're going to go. So I said, they don't need to push for wins and Kemba Walker is going to slow, slow play into his form. Um, I wasn't right, but I still hit the under and I still got it right there. Yeah, well, I mean, I I kind of saw this team as had a bit of regression potential, uh, and I I I correctly I think uh, predicted that they would be one of the teams that would fall out of contention uh, in in you know the very top of the East. They kind of got screwed over by COVID a little bit and mm-hmm. injuries a little bit. The Kemba Walker stuff. It's like if your season is down the toilet because Kemba Walker can't stay healthy at this point. That's on you because <laughs> we've we've had a couple of years of evidence now. And we were, you know, going into going into the season talking about, you know, Kemba's going to come back later in the season and he only ended up playing half a season. Uh and obviously, you know, as we've learned with um Chris Atspozingas in Dallas, it's not like come back and then drop them in and then 90% of their self, there's a, you know, there's a, a runway that you need there. But they did kind of cop it with COVID. Uh, Jalen Brown had the best season of his career, uh, made the all-star team, but he missed the back end of this season uh, through injury. So there's probably a couple extra wins that they missed out on there that make them, wouldn't, wouldn't make their, their record look better. But I mean, pretty dismal season all told from a team that was like, you know, right at the peak of the Eastern conference arms race. Mm. Uh, And I mean, obviously Danny Ainge steps away, Brad Stevens leaves as coach to go to be the GM. And then they bring, yeah. Like who's, who's predicting that as well. (laughs) And they bring in a first time coach as the new coach, like the amount of organizational change that's followed this pretty disappointing season is like staggering. Mm. So they're a, a bit of a team in flux um, going forward. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty disappointing that your two, like, pillar young wings both turn in the best seasons of their careers. Mm. Uh, Tatum, uh, you know, was was obviously, like, the the lead guy through the whole way. But, but Brown making the all-star team as well and really taking that next step. They turn in the best season of their careers and you just have the worst season you've had in, like, five years. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and, it's sad. And- and Brad Stevens has talked a lot about how he sort of fell out of love with basketball and wanted to like try something different, get a new angle and whether that's right or not, just to immediately give him a job that he's never done his whole entire life, but you know, he's doing it. Um, 
just just to think that they're in that game seven against OG Ananobi and the Toronto Raptors, right? And they lost that game seven in a really good game in the bubble. But if they win that, they go on to versus the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, which is a very winnable series, you would say. And then they're playing against the Lakers and like that Lakers team looked beatable. Um, and look, you go from so close to maybe actually doing something incredible to what a drop off, as you just mentioned yourself. And then obviously they've just had this reshuffle of everything. It's, it's interesting. It's a game of inches, Sean. <laughs> just ask <laughs> Kevin Durant's toes. Uh, anyway, we, we both went under there and we both got it right. Heading on to the next team. Speaking of Kevin Durant's toes, we've got the Brooklyn Nets, whose number was set at 46 flat. We both hit the over. They got to 48 wins. So we both got it right. Uh, and yeah, we pretty much just spent this time just gushing about how good these men are at basketball. And this was before we even knew that um, James Harden was going to end up there. I actually didn't think the trade was going to happen that early as well. I'd said that last week with the Houston Rockets pick, um, probably my worst pick of the whole entire the whole entire over-under because it was the biggest loss and I somehow picked over. Um, but yeah, I, I re-listened to this and I called Kyrie World Be Flat. Uh, Dude, that was this is very funny. And you spoke about Torian Prince saying maybe he can <laughs> rejuvenate himself. <laughs> There's something about him, Sean. I just can't quit him. <laughs> I just can't quit him. Uh, but in all seriousness, just bet on the team that has Kevin Durant and Kyrie on it. Uh, you know, we we there was inklings around the time that we did this that that Harden was going to go to Brooklyn. Obviously, you know, it was it was not set in stone whatsoever. This was preseason, so, um, but they still had Karis Levert on the team, and early season Karis Levert was so much fun. Just like the your turn, my turn with Kevin Durant, <laughs> and Kevin Durant was just like, "Here you go, Karis, I'm getting out of the way," and then he just like go for it and just live in the mid range. That was really fun. So there was there was plenty of reason to think, even without Harden arriving, that there was like just so much depth on this team. And Spencer Dinwiddie was playing at the start of the year as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you've got you've got like the the absolute top tier stars. You've got really good role player depth, and then you've got like those kind of like middle guys, like Karis Dinwiddie. So this this was, I mean, this was a no brainer. Like we don't we don't really need pats on the back for this one because, um, you know, why would you why would you bet against head coach Steve Nash? I can't think of any reason. Yeah, uh, spot on. I think we can move on from this one to a much more interesting one, which is the Charlotte Hornets, whose number was set at 25.5. They ended up with 31. We both hit the under, so we both get that one wrong. But my main issue with this pick was that Lamelo Ball is a rookie point guard. He made plenty of mistakes for the Illawarra Hawks in the NBL. Obviously, heading up to an even better competition, he's going to make plenty of mistakes in the NBA. And he was outstanding and just made that Illawarra film just look completely like stupid that was like he that was a completely different player he was extremely sensible he was extremely fun uh reading some of the profile pieces that have come out this offseason i probably shouldn't say sensible um but he was just an incredible point guard and you rarely see that from rookies and look they got over yeah partly due to that this is the first big l for both of us because yeah we were both extremely extremely down down on them and honestly yeah like you said it, it kind of like you know finishes starts and, and finishes with the mellow because we both just thought like this guy's going to come in and be closer to like a rookie chris dunn than he is <laughs> and he is what he ended up being um and obviously he uh rookie of the year puts his name on on the the list of like great rookie point guard seasons which we to be fair like we don't see those very often 
um that it's it's truly rare that a first round rookie point guard will have like a a, a rookie of the year worthy season but Haywood was really good Terry Rozier you know god bless him has become a pretty decent player as much as it pains me to say <laughs> um although extending him for four years 97 million last week gives us probably some new ammunition for them <laughs> should he should his play fall I will be there to criticize um but we we, we were you know kind of unmoved by by the Haywood signing um and pretty uninspired by their like some of their depth options, which I think is 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 still true to an extent. But playing with Lamelo makes those depth options a little bit more exciting. Like I feel better about Miles Bridges. Haven't watched forty seven highlights of him. On, uh, <laughs> yeah, on we were NBA hard on Instagram that. Account, <laughs> catching lobs from Lamelo. Yeah. Um, so it, it starts and finishes with him uh, and. They were a team that was pushing for the plane until like you know late late in the season. So especially with Lamelo missing as much time as he did, uh, with that hand injury, this could have been even like they could have easily pushed up to like 35, 36 and just like blown away the line. Uh, and the fact that we were both like hard unders, uh, yeah, this is this is a huge L for us. But well, like we said last week, Sean, we're all about accountability. So <laughs> take it on the chin. Well, uh, even even past accountability, let's maybe learn a little bit because we've seen in recent years that a lot of these point guards and a lot of these young guards that do come in are more prepared than traditionally, right? You see these young guards come in and even just rookies are more competent than in the past. And maybe this is a trend. Maybe this is just an aberration. But is there something we can look into when we do the over-unders for next season, looking at like an Evan Mobley or a Jalen, sorry, not Evan Mobley, um, Jalen Suggs or a Jalen Green, do you reckon we can learn anything from that? Say, hey, we've seen this, even uh, Tyrese Halliburton, right? We've seen these guys be competent. Should we say, okay, what if Jalen Suggs is just a little bit better than we think he's going to be in year one? Or like maybe even Jalen Green, like instead of scraping at the bottom of the barrel for the Magic and the Rockets, are they like a little bit above the bottom of the barrel? Like maybe, maybe, maybe fighting for that play-in spot? Would you, like obviously we haven't done any research here at the moment, but would you consider ranking those guys those teams higher because of those uh highly drafted rookies i'd still be hesitant just because the bulk of not only history but even the last the last 10 years uh it there's not many rookies that come in and and kind of like blow blow the doors off on an individual level but even more rarely on a on team level, like, you know, like John Wall and Kyrie both came in and won rookie of the year with their, with their respective teams at the start of the last decade. And those teams are fucking terrible. Mm. Uh, Lamelo and Jama Rant are potentially um, exceptions to that rule where, where their teams were actually pretty decent, but I, I'd still be, I'd still be hesitant just turning it over. Like, to, like saying to a team that's turned the, the keys over to a rookie, like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kind of be a bit more optimistic, despite the fact that we we haven't seen you play and that there will be lots of growing pains. Because you go through, I mean, you go through the list of of you know of rookies who've come through and like really struggled. Like you're looking at like Frankie Smokes, you're looking at Chris Dunn. Um, yeah, for every Jar Morant, there's a Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah, exactly. I think there's more than enough like misses, at least maybe not career misses, but like first, you know, like first season misses. And I think with someone like Halliburton, 
I tend to look at that not not as like people really missing on him. I tend to look at it as like he just did exactly what everyone said he was going to do. The Kings just played him 32 minutes a game and let Mm. him do it. Mm. He just made smart decisions and he shot the three well and he defended across multiple positions and um that's exactly what every you know every draft guide was was saying that he was going to do people were just like yeah like maybe he'll play 14 minutes so his like impacts will be like a lot less but the kings are like this guy's really good we're gonna we're gonna play him mm. uh so i i think he's an exception but to answer your question no i i don't think that Lamelo's success makes me want to blanket kind of like look at someone like a Jalen Suggs and say like, okay, um, I'm optimistic about the the magic going forward or more mm. optimistic because of you. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I will be a little bit careful about uh, the Detroit Pistons number next season and maybe Cade Cunningham, who's looked just like a grown man in some league, maybe Cade Cunningham's just going to be a little bit better and it's going to be like, okay, like he's got Kelly Olenek around him. He's got, you know, all, all it. He's got Jeremy Grant. That's probably the, not the order I should I should name him. But you know, he's got these. He's got competence around him. So maybe, maybe that's what you said last year about. That's Killian what I said Hayes last year. Detroit roster. <laughs> Please, Detroit, prove me right for one year because for the last five, <laughs> um, you and your mate Greg Moose Monroe. Hey, that's a lesser's mate. That's don't throw me in there. Uh, well, let's move on to the next team, which is the Chicago Bulls, whose number was set at 30 flat. Uh, you hit the push button uh, and I hit the over. They ended up with 33, so I get a point there. Um, this is similar to how I got the Boston Celtics under, right? I bought into the Bulls for all the wrong reasons. I mean, I was right in terms of they just had a competent coach, but I didn't truly believe that Zach Levine was going to be that good. Zach Levine was probably the, one of the, you know, let's say 90% of the reason that they were able to push over this number. 9% is um, Nikola Vucevic and 1% is unexplainable. Um <laughs> But yeah, I pointed to the really just the lack of wing depth last year and a bad coach. You bring in Otto Porter, you bring in Pat Williams, and then you get a good coach. Um, but look, that that wasn't the reason. But I still got a point for going over, and Zach Levine's just proven us both wrong. Yeah, when I did when I did uh, when I did the re-listen and and you were talking talking up Otto Porter, I was like, that's that's rogue. That is rogue. Just from where we ended up, like it was it was a fair point to make at the time, but from where we ended up, that is. Hey, light years. wild to hear to hear back. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, I expected this team to be to be better uh, because we we did discuss Jim Boylan being something like the fifty fourth best uh, best coach in the NBA at the time, and and bringing in Billy Donovan, who, if nothing else, just reeks of competence. Uh, you know, I would we'll, say it reeks of like mediocreness. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like he he can do his job. He 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 can he can take the whiteboard out. <laughs> he can draw some squiggles, and the team will be okay. That's what Billy can do for you. Um, and and it's it's kind of kind of how it came to pass. Obviously, you're you're right in saying like ninety percent of it was was Levine and players like Carter who didn't even make it out, didn't even finish the season with the team, and Markinen who's still just like dangling out there like a lonely sock on a hill's hoist just like all on his own getting rained on for like days on end in free agency just like no one wants to bring him in um pretty shit players on this team but Levine the resurgence of Thajic 
And, you know, I don't think it's fair to say that Pat Williams played a big team, a big role on this team. Um, offensively, you know, it's, it's a work in progress, but defensively, you know, he's already shown uh, that he's going to be a, a plus plus player on that side of the court before too long. So I honestly felt really good about hitting the push at 30 and I'm a bit disappointed that I didn't get it. Um, That's probably the Vooch trade, I reckon. The Vooch trade is... is Three wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well three, I mean, they, they, didn't they go like 0-8 in Vooch's first eight <laughs> games? They didn't, didn't win for ages with him. And then Zach... No, but Zach Levine had, um, had COVID. Well, he was in the, he was in the health and safety protocols because he was a close contact. Um, he was actually tweeting out how bad it was because he had actually tested negative multiple times, but he was still a close contact and they had to clear him and he wanted to make the play in. Uh, but no, he, he sat out for like 11 games and they went like one and 10 or, or two and nine. And yeah, bloody, just completely COVID. bloody COVID, man. That's, that's probably the worst part of COVID. Yeah. The fact that Zach Levine was a player. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, um, can I just say the part, part of the reason as well, why the, why the push hurts so much is because yeah. the next team coming up is I know. and then you went push <laughs> and you got it right. So I'm a little bit hurt by that in particular. So the the next team is the Cleveland Cavaliers, whose number was set at twenty two. I like that number. I, I, I like where they said that. Um, you went under. I went push. Uh, so that that means just for the unacquainted, that means that I have said I like twenty two, and I'm going to reckon they win twenty two games exactly. Um, and I was actually right in my rationale because I was like. Colin Sexton will be not that good. Darius Garland will be better, but still not that good. Andre Drummond is just unappealing. They actually swapped him for a more appealing version of Andre Drummond and then paid him $20 million a fucking year. But it's just like this team didn't project to do much and they didn't do much and they hit the number. And uh, I deserve maybe two points for that one. Not that it mattered. (laughs) (laughs) You're that desperate for points you're trying to sneak in. Well, what is it? Is it 36 points if you hit it on the number? 36 points exactly. Well, it's like it's like picking green at roulette. Well, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a gambling man, Sean. That's you true. <laughs> you should know. This is in the I'll actually I'll, I'll put a note to follow up the Cavs with the uh, with the ad. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we? The fact that I went under does this like eliminate me from like any um any sexton sexton loving jokes for for the foreseeable future no i just that just means you're a realist because you can yeah okay you, that's, you, that's you, fair. you just love him you don't blind love him you're yeah. not like oh he's no, gonna I like 50. him i like him he's you know he's got his warts he's got his warts yeah. um he was really you know despite me getting on here a couple of times uh last season you know banging the drum for him all i want for him is is his respect you know that's all i want and i i don't mean that i don't mean that in terms of like someone like trey young being like i just want my respect but what in his mind his respect is like for him to be like first team all nba and for like everyone who's yeah, yeah. criticize him to like kiss his feet yeah that's what he wants when he says respect i just want people to acknowledge like sexton is a really really good scorer uh and he's intriguing and he has an interesting future and he's going to be really good for a team that figures out the best way to use him that's all i want but other than that i mean yeah darius garland was not that good isaac okoro uh is like the scaled up version of pat williams rookie offense where it's like even more of a work in progress like it's probably like the work hasn't even begun it's just like an empty lot and you know there's like some tradies milling about the front but nothing's actually happening yet (laughs) 
Um, is, yeah, is, it's, it's supposed to rain later on, so maybe they can't <laughs> That's Isaac Okoro's game. So, uh, <laughs> we yeah. already killed it in Summer League, though. Yeah, but I mean, it's easy. So, in Summer League, if you hit like 80% you of your threes, you just magically hit a few threes and then you be really athletic and, you know, get a couple transition dunks and some straight line drives attacking off closeouts. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, like, this dude's got it. Like he's getting to the rim and you don't realize that's because he's like, you know, getting to the rim against like the Ron Baker. Yeah. Ron, the Ron Baker on the perimeter and like a, you know, 17 year old Latvian third division center on the inside. Yeah. Like a Gustave Aeon type. Yeah. Famously, yeah. famously Latvian. Um, you, <laughs> you, uh, you talking about Colin Sexton just made me remember how you DM'd him. So I'll read the last two messages that we sent Colin Sexton on Instagram. First one, Colin, three exclamation marks. Come on our podcast, two exclamation marks. We talk about you all the time and love your game, two exclamation marks. We want to hear about the Bama days, two exclamation marks. And then I sent him on the 5th of January, dear Colin, we hope you have a wonderful birthday and best of luck for the season. Your friends, the deep two. Uh, No reply, not even a like fucking message. So, Colin, come on the pod. (laughs) Yeah, Colin, if you're listening, come on the pod. We we stand more chances of shouting him out halfway through a podcast as opposed to DMing him. Um, (laughs) But yeah, just before we move on, I would just like to reiterate that the number was 22 and I said the Cavs would win 22 games and they did. Flowers for you, Shawnee. Uh, there'll be, you, you, hey, there'll be more it. gifts later on. Don't worry. <laughs> if you look for PointsBet's stock exchange listing, you'll find a bucket of jargon and doublespeak as they're considered a, quote, wagering services operator, unquote. That's a corporate stretch for the colloquial friendly Brogan or, hey, look, it's Chris Bosch kind of image they're sending off with their targeted advertising. I don't know about you, but take me back to the days when former pro sports players signed brand deals with hair loss clinics or Fujitsu aircons, not, quote, wagering service providers. If you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you come across the two of our faces morphed into one, would that make you listen to our podcast more? I mean, if it does, let us know and we'll start doing it. But when I see a few NBA players' faces morphed into one, it doesn't make me want to pull out my wallet and donate some money to my local wagering services provider. The worst part is we're coming to accept it. Gambling ads are, sorry, wagering service provider ads are so ingrained in our sports and the way sports is delivered to us, it's almost impossible to avoid. Three quarters of Australian children aged between eight and 16 years who watch sport think that betting on sport is normal and can name more than well, one or more sport betting companies. When I was in school, I was struggling to remember Pokemon names and I'd be furious if I knew that brain power was being used to put towards wagering service providers and not them. The wagering service providers know exactly who to target. It's not okay to let them ingrain themselves in young Australians' minds. It's not okay to target people in the middle of a pandemic, and it's not okay for gambling companies to wield so much influence in the world of sports. To help kick gambling out of sport, use your voice and sign the petition at www.ngamblingads.org.au forward slash petition. Uh, the Detroit Pistons, their number will set at 22, uh, 23 flat. Um, you went under, I went over. They ended up with 20 wins. Uh, for some reason, I talked myself into Blake Griffin, Derek Rose, I didn't even mention Wayne Jeremy Ellington. Grant. Wayne Ellington. I didn't even mention Jeremy Grant, who's the only fact, the only reason they won 20 games in the first place. Uh, but yeah, I was wrong. I, I overrated guys that weren't very good. And I, I sort of wanted Killian Hayes to end up on the Golden State Warriors. And looks, yeah, Big Jim's got his warts, but thank goodness we've got Big Jim, not Killian Hayes. 
when yeah i mean when someone is making you grateful that you got big jim it's like whoa <laughs> what is going on over there with killian hayes um that's a big l for kevin o'connor so far putting him number one on this board for that draft class um yes sean i'll take i'll take a mini victory lap here because you just yeah you were just very yeah very set that wayne ellington was uh you know, going to be a great addition on this team and that the overall roster composition and the veterans that they brought in just, you know, they were just going to be competent. Uh, and it turns out that they weren't. They were just bad. <laughs> they were just very bad because players like a Wayne Ellington type, for example, are great when they play next to LeBron and they play 12 minutes a game and they hit two threes. But when they're playing with shit players, it turns out that they also are shit. <laughs> and that's just a lesson that you have to learn sometimes in, 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 uh, it's so simple. It's like a telling being, cooking, being an NBA talking head. You just have to, you know, sometimes come to, come to, to grips with that. Uh, so anyway, the next, uh, the next one, uh, was another big loss for both of us. So if you want to introduce the Pacers, go ahead. Yeah, this is a three a three losing streak for both of us. But yeah, the Indiana Pacers, whose number was set at 39.5 and finished up with 34 wins. I said this was my best pick for the whole entire thing, the whole, the whole entire session, saying, hey, look, they've got a really good team. Everyone knows what they do. They got rid of their coach. They brought in a new coach. What's, you know, he can't be that bad, you know? <laughs> we were thinking he was, we were thinking he was the second coming of Jesus. This guy. I know. And it's not like as soon as he gets hired, it's not like the starting small forward is going to request a trade as soon as he hears that he's coming in because he hates him so much. I mean, if we didn't know that, at least the team could have done some background checks and we can trust that the team knows exactly how the players feel about this incoming guy or we're just doing any background check to see if he's a micromanager. Um, but no, we were wrong. And also they didn't have a starting small forward. Victor Oladipo wasn't very good at basketball. Karis Levert had cancer. This this is so far and away from what we thought we were going to be watching from the Indiana Pacers. But even, even given all of that, I still think that they should have won more games and we were just wrong for a couple of reasons there. Yeah, well, we, we knew that TJ Warren was going to miss the start of the season. We didn't think that he was going to miss the whole season. Obviously, you know, bubble TJ Warren was fresh in our minds. So we were like, oh, that's a that's a huge, you know, that's a huge addition later in the season. He's really going to come and propel them into the, the postseason. But I honestly, I honestly, when I was conceiving of this, I, I saw Boston as the team dropping out of that top four race. And I saw Indiana as a team stepping up and like really cementing themselves as a contender in that top four, not maybe for the, you know, the championship. But if you told me, if you told me at the start of the season that Indiana made the conference finals, I wouldn't have been surprised. Mm. Um, obviously it all went to shit with, with Nate Bjorkgren and Oladipo was eh, pretty, pretty average. And, you know, like you said, when they, they managed to spin him into Karis LeVert and some other stuff, um, and then Karis LeVert promptly, they discovered that he had a lump on his kidney. So that kind of like knocked him out. Um, and Brogdon did, the, Brogdon did the Brogdon thing again, Sean. Next oh, you, season. You miss him. No, no, no. no. <laughs> ne- next, next season when it's two weeks into, into the season and – and we're doing the what's good and what's not podcast. Uh, yeah. And Brogdon is averaging 26 and 11 and he's shooting 48% from the field and 42 from three. And I'm like, you know what? Brogdon's been really impressive. Stop me. 
because I've been I've this two years in a row I've been catfished. Uh, you know, he's he was he's he was good. His 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 play kind of did uh come down to earth quite a bit from those stratospheric highs. Yeah, um, yeah. And then they just didn't resolve, you know, we, we were hitting it heaps last offseason. They didn't resolve the Twin Towers problem. Like, it's not really sustainable. It doesn't look like to play Turner and Sabonis together. And Sabonis had a, a less impressive year than he did the season before, but still snuck into the All-Star team as an All-Star, as an All-Star injury reserve. Um, but it just doesn't look like you can play those two dudes together. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that, were Turner a more appealing trade asset? Because obviously, you know, every every fucking team in the league, it seems like, had the chance to get him. Um, they would have figured this out a long time ago. Um, mm. So I think that um, fundamental roster construction issue is has got to be at the forefront of what they do going forward. Um, but, you know, if your starting lineup is... Brogdon, Karis LeVert, TJ Warren, and then one of Sabonis and Turner plus, you know, someone else. Obviously, you, obviously you trade Turner. So, you know, someone who you replace Turner with at the five. That's a pretty good starting lineup. Uh, and I do like Rick Carlisle as a coach. So maybe I will maybe I will drink the Cotties and, uh, and buy in on them again. Yeah, uh, I can definitely see myself doing the exact same thing again. Just like, not even because I love... Uh, TJ Warren that much, but just because he's a small Ford sized human being and he can just, just be there and do good things. But there's yeah. something about Rick Kyle that makes me think that Karis LeVert's going to average 30 points. There's, I don't there's, know. there's something about the paces that just, just make me think that they're just always going to make the playoffs. Like they missed the playoffs last year, lost in the plane. It's their cool, those cool uniforms, the really dark blue one and the pin shot, the, the blue and yellow pin. Yeah. Shot. Yeah. Just yeah. lovely. Just really I, good. I do like them. I hate I hate their regular uniform where it's got the circle where it sort of says like Indiana Pacers basketball. Yeah. Any uniform where you've got a circle, like the New York, uh, New York City that never sleeps, right? Anything with a circle looks so bad where the writing's wrapped around the circle. It just makes me tilt my head, makes me just think yuck, and then everything's warped a little bit with the writing and it's just a bad time. Well, lucky that the lucky that the the pinstrap jerseys for the Pacers are just like classic, perfect, yeah, minimalist. Yeah, we love that. Even, even the Hickory jerseys, I don't mind them. Uh, let's move on to. I couldn't think of a segue there, but the Miami Heat. Their line was at forty-four and a half entering last season, and they finished with forty. We both hit the over. We both got it wrong. Um, we talked a lot about how Giannis Antetokounmpo was going to eventually become a member of the Miami Heat, and we were, you know, we were still we just witnessed this team in the finals, uh, and they lost Jay Crowder, they lost Derek Jones, which has you know clearly hit them hard. You know, they they definitely hit the under there uh, after after him his departure. Um, but yeah, it's just like they just got a little bit worse. They were clearly tired from the bubble and Tyler Hero all of a sudden isn't a 30-point per game scorer from that small sample size, which really hurts when he actually did a lot of the work in the bubble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this one I can kind of like, you know, I think we get a pass on this one for, you know, the most recent time that we had seen this team was literally the NBA finals, like you said. So mm. thinking that they were going to be pretty good, I think is 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 passable. Um and it just kind of, you know, like Jimmy Butler wasn't as good. He missed a lot of time. Uh, 
Um, Bam was not as good as he was in his breakout season, although he was still quite good. And then, yeah, I think we were expecting maybe a, a leap from Hero and it just didn't come. Mm. So I'm, I'm prepared to give us, give us a pass on this one because, you know, what, 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 do you, what are you supposed <laughs> to think when this team is taking it to LeBron and the Lakers in the NBA Finals? You think that they're going to come back and be, and be pretty good? Um, but yes, obviously, had they not waited for Giannis and done some other things with the, you know, the resources that they had set aside, potentially it might have been different. But mm. I think they'd be happy with where they ended up now, um, with everybody, everybody back, uh, mm. including our friend Victor Oladipo, late of the Indiana Pacers on a minimum contract. Yikes. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, speaking of giving ourselves a pass, the next team is Milwaukee Bucks, whose number was set at 50. They won 46. You and I didn't expect them to end up winning a title, uh, but they we, we were really just saying, hey, they're going to win the regular season. That's all I've done for the past four years. But no, they didn't actually win the regular season. They didn't try all that hard at the end of the day. They came third in the East, which was three games behind the top-seeded Philadelphia 76ers and a hefty margin ahead of the fourth-seeded New York Knicks. Um, we both went over and we both got it wrong. Fourth-seeded New York Knicks, that's a... Yeah. Go back in time and tell us from, you know, <laughs> us from a couple months ago that that was what it was going to be. Oh, um, dude, not even. Yeah, just not even. Just try to think of it right now where it's like they just got embarrassed by Trey Young and the Hawks and they were an afterthought. Yeah, but at least they made it. I'm happy for Mike Cortez and everyone in uh, <laughs> everyone in New York. Um, yeah, I think with 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 the Bucks, we underestimated the degree to which they would try and um, right the wrongs of off seasons of post seasons past, uh, because obviously they they had a system that was you know designed to win sixty games and fall apart in the second to third round. We knew that we'd seen that two years in a row now. Um, and they came out and they tried a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, they tried to use Giannis in, in different ways. They tried to use Giannis as an on-ball screener and minimize those terrible walk-up threes, the, the upshot of which we saw in the finals when he finally stopped taking them and just <laughs> decided to average 50 points. Um, but they did a little bit more experimenting than they had in the past. And um, I think even you know that considered, um, it's 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 good that they were able to get up to the three seed and be around what the line was, um, incorporating Drew Holiday uh, into the team as well. So prepared to give us a pass for that one as well, uh, because in previous years, like the safest bet in the fucking league would have been like Milwaukee Bucks over, because mm. they just had it down to like a you know a fine, fine art. art. Just like everything was so well oiled and and all the all the pieces working together, so mm. yeah. And look, it, we've just given ourselves pesky... three passes. <laughs> no, nah, we gave ourselves two passes because I'm prepared to take a big L for the Pacers. Okay, well, speak, to for, speak for yourself. A big, a big stinky <laughs> L right on my forehead. Yeah, 
Okay, well, moving on to the next team, which is a big stinky L for me, the New York Knicks, whose numbers set at 23.5. They ended up with that four seed, as we said. They ended up with 41 wins. You went over. I went under. I laid you out the case of how Leon Rose is just coming in here to tank and then slow play it and then get New York to, you know, make the playoffs in 2020 million. And you said, yes, Sean, whatever, but I just feel something about this team. Uh, And whatever you felt, it was spot on. You got it right. Uh, and the worst thing I said in this whole entire episode was that Opie Toppin or Opie Topin is a dark horse for the rookie of the year. No, I think the worst, I think the worst thing that the, the worst thing that you said in that in that episode was I asked who who do we think the worst coaches in the NBA are? And I said and Tibbs. you said Tibbs <laughs> and he went on to win coach of the year. Yeah, but like that was he came second, really. No, I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not by by any stretch taking the victory lap on this one because. Oh no, as in like, yeah, that's that's Monty Williams Award tips. No, 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 I know, I know, just just in terms of the Knicks, like I, I, I thought that they would go over. I didn't think that they were going to be diabolically bad, but I obviously had no idea that, <laughs> um, you know that <clears throat> that this was this was how it was all going to end up, and even like. You know, I think maybe it was our what's good, what's not, like um, yeah. early season debrief where Julius Randle was tearing it up and I, I made some snarky comment, like, you know, if you're relying on Julius Randle for everything, like, I'll, I'll see you when the wheels fall off. Like, I, I definitely was not a believer in this team. Mm. Um, and, I mean, it's just like pats on the back all around for those blokes because RJ Barrett took a, a little mini leap at least uh, every every aspect of the game except for scoring. Um, Derek Rose, when he came over from Detroit, was really, really good. Like, quickly was really good the whole time. Uh, and all of those all those Tibbs favourites uh, who we kind of, like, written off ended up, you know, mm. coming in and actually, like, being fairly decent. Taj Gibson, you just know that Nerlens Noel is now a Tibbs favourite. Like, in, in 10 years, Nerlens Noel will be what Taj Gibson is now. Just like following Tibbs around wherever he goes. Or still in um, court with Rich Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to quantify, man, that the whole lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. Rich, yeah, Nerland's Noel suing Rich Paul for those who don't know. Uh that's <laughs> yeah, that's a wild story. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh I I thought that they'd be like a I, I don't yeah, not not a playoff team, but but not like diabolically bad. Yeah. And they ended up, you know, smashing expectations. And um, you know, when we did have Mike Cortez of the Knicks Wall on the podcast, like kind of like late last season, uh, to talk about what the atmosphere is like in New York, you know, it's it's hard not to be as much as as much as we love piling on the on the Knicks and we love, you know, taking like the Stefan Bondi report of like the Knicks are interested in like player X and being like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, it was nice, uh, you know, to, to know that the people, the fans of this moribund franchise were actually able to have an experience that was a so positive, but B so unexpected as well. So I think it's like the double wham. Um, mm. So it's positive, positive feelings around the Knicks for the first yeah. time. In a, first time since everyone was talking themselves into Carmelo Anthony and whatever was left of Amari Stoudemire's knee cartilage. Yeah, apparently there wasn't much. But yeah, just going back to when you said that we did the pod on what's working and what isn't, I actually wrote an article at around that same time 
Because I was very much on the train of, hey, the Knicks should keep tanking because if you look to the future, they have Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett as their future dudes who are going to be there the next time they're ready to make the finals. And I wrote an article assessing Julius Randle's trade value at that quarter mark of the season saying, hey, look, maybe there's a title, a title contender out there who just sees Julius Randle as a sort of change of pace big man off the bench who can come in, maybe he plays a bit of small ball five and you get lucky on the defensive end, but then he just bullies his matchup on the other side. And look, he's, he's proven he can shoot and that's great for that. Um, and yeah, that, uh, that article, I would say, aged well. Because yes, his his trade value did definitely go up, and yes, I stand by my points. Like he definitely could probably still help a title contender, um, but yeah, obviously Nick's just fucking went with that and then just bought all the way in, and they they see Julius Randle as superstar and an All NBA player, even though he was the best offensive player on the twenty fourth best offense. Well, I mean, you, you, we, we do like to kind of like I said before, pile on a little bit, but it is a good piece of business by the Knicks to extend him at. Something substantially less than the than the yeah, max. I think they but, sent him for four years, one seventeen. But if he doesn't make an All NBA team the following season, he could lose a bit of money. So it's also a bit prudent for Julius Randle to be a bit realistic and be like, okay, maybe this is my high right here. I'm just going to jump on, and then he can sell it to the Knicks fans as he's taking a bit of a discount. When in reality, he had a little bit to lose by going into next season as well. Yeah, but but wouldn't it have been very Nixy of years past just to say like, all right, here you go, here's a max, yeah. take it. We're locking you up, and and you know instead they 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 give him the option of either like take it into next season and you can risk it, or we'll like take care of you now for something that's like a little bit. It just kind of means that if you get a twenty percent fall off in Julius Randle's play next season, and he's the thirty eighth best player in the league instead of you know literally on the fucking All Star team. Uh, then, the East, the East All Star team. Well, hey, didn't he? Wasn't Julius Randle? Did, did he make um? Did he make All NBA? Because uh, he was he was in the conversation. Um, I can't remember. I'm, I, I'm 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 on it now. Yeah, he he uh he made the All NBA so, second team. So none of that <clears throat> none of that East All Star slander. I still um, I still I'm, I know that Nick's Twitter goes really hard to back up Julius Randle and it's like you've just killed one of their family members every time every <laughs> single time you slander him but seriously man like let's let's just see because it came to the playoffs and we said it that when we were doing our season preview our series preview for the first round we were just like hey let's see how much Trey Young licks his lips his lips every time he comes around a pick and roll and there's Julius Randle right in front of him he needed some he needed some lip balm from how much he was licking his lips. Uh, also, you need lip balm when it's cold, eh? Someone get, yeah, you do. Someone <laughs> get this man a chapstick. <laughs> chapstick and a jacket. I'll see you in the A. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, should we move on? Because I've dug myself enough of a hole with Knicks fans listening. Yes, surely we should. All right. So <laughs> the next team is the Orlando Magic. Uh, their number was set at 32, and they ended up winning 21 games. You hit the push. I hit the over. I said, surely they're not going to tank because, holy crap, they haven't tanked for the last three years. They probably could have done with a big fat tank. Um, but they actually did tank, and they actually went under this number, and they didn't just mosey on into the fucking eight seed and just get blown out in five. So... I was wrong here. I didn't think they were going to do it because they had a perfect opportunity to last year. And I was wrong because if I was the head of the Orlando Magic, 
I probably would have sold Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic for whatever I can get uh, two years ago. But by holding on to them for this little bit longer, yes, they only got like two seconds from Boston for Fournier, but they got two good first-round picks from the Bulls, which I didn't think there was any team going to pay two first-round picks for Vooch, and, and they got it. Two first-round picks and Wendell Carter Jr. So depending on if you are still a believer, we <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I you, you will not find me in that camp, but you can talk yourself into it. Um, they, I mean, I think we should point out they didn't deliberately tank though. They went into this season trying to compete and then John Isaac, I think was injured before the start of the season. So we knew that he wasn't going to be, wasn't going to be there. Um, he's now missed like the majority of the last three years. I think he's played like half a season in the last three seasons. Uh, and then Marco Fultz, who was playing really, really well. Like, I mean, really, really well for like what we expected from Fultz, but he was putting up like 16 and six and actually like making a three here and there mm. getting to the line not looking like a little scaredy cat uh, and then he tore his acl and then it then you know like you're getting a heavy dose of of Cole anthony like trying to run the show and mm. obviously then they made the decision to dump fournier when when the nuggets came calling about aaron gordon they said yeah like now after the last four years of like will they won't they they're like yeah it's finally time to um, to get rid of him. And then obviously, you know, the Vooch trade um, was, you know, the, the, the teardown complete. But I, I don't, I do think that they, they didn't go into the season thinking that this season is like, you know, we're going to, we're going to tank. I think they went in saying we're pretty confident with our starting lineup. Fultz gives us some upside. Like if he can be like a, a good above average point guard, like we've got a chance. Because I mean, think about who's been playing point guard for them for the last, you know, three, four years. Dwayne Bacon, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, DJ Augustine, when they've been, when they've been making Michael these, Carter-Williams. They've been making these like eight seed runs. Uh, granted, they didn't get very far or run very fast, but they've been making them and they've been making them with no point guard play. So I think they were optimistic going into season. Like if we can get even above average point guard play from Fultz, we'll be fine. And then the wheels just fell off and I think they correctly decided to pivot to plan B, which is just like tear it down. Steve mm-hmm. Clifford's gone. Um and and your new head coach Jamal Mosley's in, so it's like a well and truly a a full uh yeah full rebuild. Yeah, we're so separated from that last year. Uh, there were seven point guards on the Orlando Magic's roster last season. Can you guess a couple of them? Well, we'll go Fultz. We'll go Carter Williams. Carter Williams is listed as a shooting guard on Basketball Reference. Well, that's probably that's probably safe. That's what we say. So Cole Anthony, you had that one as well. Yeah, Cole Anthony. Uh, we can we can Dwayne Bacon as, as a point guard, but we can him as a wing. No, he's a he's a wing. Um I think I think I'm out. I'm tapping. So you got Jordan Bone, you got Devin Kennedy, Karu Main, and Frank Mason. Sorry, and Chesson Randall. Okay, well, I mean do you even watch basketball? <laughs> you didn't catch the Chase and Randall game, bro? Nah, nah, man. Nah. Uh, he played, he used to play, he was a killer for the Westchester Knicks, though. Or, even Ignis Brzezdakis. Or maybe even Knicks, Knicks gaming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's um let's move on to a double win for us, shall we? Um, did you, did we say we both got that wrong? You went push, I went over. Yeah. Um, all right. What's so, with me and the, what's with, I'm never going push again, ever. 
well, this was a weird one as well because you had like the shortened the shortened game, so it's like there's I guess there's a higher chance to get the push because there's less games to deviate, mm. but still don't push that much, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the Philadelphia 76ers, their number was set at 44 and a half. You and I both wrote over in capital letters. We were very happy about this one. They ended up with 49 wins, and we're still very happy because we got it right. Uh, this is when Daryl Morey came in, just cleaned up the mess that Elton Brand had left. And look, they they played like a great regular season team. They did everything we thought they were going to do this season. Uh, And pretty much everyone thought if they don't go far in the playoffs this season, then maybe it's time to break up the Joel and Ben Ben Simmons tandem. They flamed out in the playoffs in a horrible way. Um, But for the regular season, they surrounded two great superstars with like a bunch of great role players. They were they were the, they were the best team in the East for the whole season. And granted, a lot of that was because Brooklyn was just in constant roster flux with their their big three. But I mean, even if you said at the start of the season this team will be the clear cut second best team in the East for the entire season, like that would be viewed as a massive win for uh, for Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey and the team. Um, and I yeah, I mean, I think the only reason why why we feel it feels weird to kind of talk about this as like a successful season for the team because obviously everything that's happened uh you know in the interim with with ben simmons has left everyone feeling a bit weird and thinking like how could this possibly have been successful because their their second best player now seems completely divorced from the team's future and obviously we have to wait and see what happens with that uh regarding a trade or no trade and simmons uh, coming back to the team, the annual workout videos of Simmons just banging threes from Lillard range have surfaced. So um, we have to kind of wait and see. But it does do it does feel weird looking back and saying like, yeah, like this was actually a like start to finish like a really well well done job through the regular season. Um, and I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's just the the lesson is that when push comes to shove. You're going to push. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> if push comes to shove, ban the push. Um, you, you just can't have Simmons and, and, and MB closing games together. Uh, you know, the, the, the open dunk uh, where he passed to, to Matisse instead is, is a nail in the coffin. But we had had um, pretty strong evidence from postseasons previous that that was the case because when Jimmy Butler was still there, like Simmons is like hanging around the dunker spot and Jimmy Butler's handling the ball or Simmons, there was a game where he was benched for the last five minutes and they just let Butler run pick and rolls the whole time. So weird to, to look back and think that it's a, a successful season with where we find ourselves now, like with this team possibly in, in, in more flux than any other team in the league right now, certainly any other team that has ambitions of contending um their the direction i guess that they're taking and the the faces that will be part of that direction are completely unknown mm. yeah well put uh let's move on Thanks. to the next team which is the toronto raptors who their number was set at 41 and a half and they finished the season with 27 wins that looks much worse than it did halfway through the year because obviously they hit the tank hard shut down a lot of their players, but you hit the over, I hit the under. You actually hit the capitals over and I hit the lowercase under. Um, but yeah, pretty much what I said was Mark Sol and Serge Ibaka leaving and replacing it with Aaron Baines and Alex Lane is pretty bad. 
And one thing I noticed when listening to this is that you and I didn't mention the whole Tampa Bay thing at all. And that was an extremely underrated element for why they played so poorly now that we know in retrospect. So yeah, in, in my opinion, it was a combination of things that saw them play so poorly, but uh, we, we really should have put more stock in there. So if, if we're ever doing these over-unders again and some team has to play in a completely different CD away from their family, let's maybe factor that in a little bit more. Yeah, if there's ever a, a, a once in a once in a century uh, global pandemic again, which fuck, come on, I'm 23, you know. Um, yeah, it's you're, you're right. It's definitely definitely a a huge factor that that we didn't really address, and it became clear that it was a huge factor, like you know, through once the season started. Um, and yeah, similar similar to the magic, I don't think they plans to to tank but i think once the the road kind of forked and you had the option to like push forward or say like actually like let's maybe just like strip this down a little bit they um they were right to to do that and i mean like baines was a disaster uh you know coming off his best season of his career in phoenix where he just was like you know breaking steph curry's hand and banging in threes (laughs) um to go from that to a pretty much unplayable within the first few games of the, of the season um, was pretty tough for, for them. And, and, you know, like Siakam now has had two kind of like iffy years in a row and OG missed some time and Lowry um, there was the will they won't they with Lowry. And uh, ultimately, you know, they, they, they ended up trading Powell for Gary Trent so a lot of lot of flux around this team, especially in the second half of the season, once they decided to to shut it down. I mean, they wouldn't have got anywhere near the the 41, um, 41 win mark that that the line was set at had they continued on. So um, you're right that the twenty seven does look worse, but it was definitely the right call for them. And and you were so high on the over that during, at the time I was just about to make a barbecue jackfruit burger, and then I was like, all right, because we were just talking about it, because you were you had just become vegan at that point, or you had just, or was this like well well after you had become been more, vegan for a while, so it probably, yeah. probably wasn't just become vegan. Anyway, it was it was your halfway point. I don't know if you <laughs> that's, that's not a way to word it. Anyway, but I was like, oh Dante, if you're so confident, how about you get me a uh, a pulled jackfruit burger next time you see me. And then you said, Sean, I'll do you one better. I'll get you a barbecue banana bonanza from uh, B East or B something in, in Brunny West. From Ru- Rude Boy. Yeah. From Rude Boy. That's right. Um, so anyway, that's the, the second big win for Sean right there. So I'm still waiting on that one to come in. Well, but- I mean, now... Now we live in the same city, so it's become a it's become a hell of a lot more. more realistic. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take you for a take you for a uh, a rude boy in a coke session once once this uh this I, Melbourne situation opens up, Sean. I do love rude boy. Um, fuck, it's it's fucking delicious, both vego and non vego. Uh, on to the last team, which is the Washington Wizards, whose number was set at thirty two. They end up with thirty four wins. We both hit the over. Just pure precision by these two beautiful podcasters. You used this uh, end of the alphabet team uh, while cramped for time to have your monologue about Anthony Jill. I said Bradley Beal's a sick cunt, and I think that might have been the first C bomb that was thrown on this podcast. We were pretty tame before then. Uh, and then yeah, Westbrook raises their floor. Etc. Etc. He actually had a good second half of the season, but yeah, they um they scraped ahead. They ended up making the playoffs. Came in with the play, and 
Uh, and was it a gentleman sweep to the Philadelphia 76ers or just a sweep at the hands of the 76ers? Uh, I believe it was a gentleman's sweep. Uh, how nice. How nice. Uh, how, how did Anthony, how did Anthony Jill go? I don't think he finished the season on their team, which is never a good sign for someone. He did, who... he did all right. Uh, three, <laughs> three points a game, played 26 games. He started four times, played eight minutes, uh, three points. And not much else, a couple of rebounds, 50% from the field, 29 from three, which, I mean, if you go back and listen to my monologue, what I probably said was, you know, this guy is one of Europe's best shooters, so he's going to be a real asset. But what, you know, what we need to be aware of is the fact that he has had a couple of seasons in there in Europe where his form is just inexplicably dipped from long range. So, you know, I don't want to say that I was completely right going over and saying like, Jill, good shooter, but like, watch out. But, you know, the listeners can make up their own minds about whether I was completely right. He's actually still on the roster. Um, We mean actually, of course, he averaged averaged three three points and two boards. Of course, on the roster. Um, He was born in North Carolina. Yeah. He was born in High Point, North Carolina. Is he not American? I thought he wasn't American because he played for kimchi fried rice, bro. <laughs> like you, you got this dude who's had this outstanding European career and whatever. Um, I thought he was fucking European. Uh, he just played. He's, he's American. He's played in Europe. But Patrick Beverly's Russian, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew Blatch is uh, Andrew Blatch is Filipino, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, he played on the team. Um, I, th- I feel like this has to get mentioned every like 10 episodes, but Andre Blatch, one time playing for the Filipino national team. No, no, playing for Brooklyn, um, got black masking tape and covered his name so that it said Andre Bitch on the back of his <laughs> the back of his jersey. <laughs> Should be mentioned always. Uh, and just the more you think of it, you can just go, that that would work perfectly because the black on the black jersey for uh for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, one final thing here. I had capital uh, capital letters over, so I really banged the over here, and they they got in by two wins. But that sort of speaks to how much I like Bradley Beal compared to how much I really believe in this team. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's there's this is like the ultimate like one star, and then like Island of Misfit Toys team. Yeah, Bradley um, Beal like four star weak foot. Just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> OP'd, OP'd as yeah. all hell. Um, so that is all for the over-unders for us for this year. Um, but just to give a total for both, I, I always struggle with that word. Can you just read that word for me? Uh, what, Cum- what, what, cumulative. Cum- yeah, cumulative. Yeah, fucking nailed word. it. Fucking, fucking nailed, nailed it. it. Uh, out of 30 teams, Dante Boffa got 14. And out of 30 teams, I got 16. Who won last year's re-reviews? Probably you. I'm not very good at this. Probably, yeah. I'm, enough, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% conjecture. That's, that's all I am. And, and, and you, you can't forget the, um, you know, the, the push that I just nailed right in the head. That's Yeah, I thought the push should count, should count for two because that, like, that's impressive. So that's the reason why maybe next year I will like be doing pushes again because if you get a push, it's like poor, like you are a basketball <laughs> savant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Cleveland just... Cavaliers are going to be mediocre. Whoa, Sean, your vision. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually just found it. episode 49 was our over-under review for 2019. I got 14, one, well, that would have been a put, I don't know. I got 14, uh, right, and you got 11, right? 
Yeah. So anyway, you could be going for you could be going for three in a row, three in a row next year. And not only did I just win, I, I got a prize along the way in that burger. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you, the burger was for something else. So I'll buy you a, I'll buy you a picnic as well. No, you're the picnic guy, Dante. Come on. Oh, my little heart is so full. It's so full. Um, did you want to talk about something else? No, I think that's that's all from all from me. Is that all from you? No, that's all from me. Anyway, well, thanks for taking the time to have a chat. Um, I'll, I'll follow this up with an email with the with the transcript, and we can move from there. But um, yeah, once again, thanks for thanks for taking the time, and and we'll be in touch. Thanks, Sean. Always a pleasure.